the Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. And welcome back to another Underdog Dynasty Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football. It is time for another Sunbelt edition of the podcast. And I am Igman Chambers, Appalachian State contributor to the site. Also help out with Coastal Carolina as well. You can find me on Twitter at RadioGuyAC. And of course, as always, my trusty co-host. You can find him on Twitter at WatchTheStone. He is the Georgia Southern contributor to the site. Mr. Brian Stone, my man, we are here back for another week of a fun-built edition of the Underdog Dynasty podcast. And uh, once again, as we get this ball rolling, it's uh, it's a little different because we've had to wait a night later than what we would normally record the pod. We've already had Sunbelt football played this week. We'll dive into that here in just a few minutes with Appalachian State beating Arkansas State on Tuesday night. But, man, you come in here this week uh, to this Sunbelt edition of the pod. Our pick record just keeps getting better and better. We are now up to 16-1 and so far this year in Funbelt pick But uh, that's kind of where we start off with our, with our two big things that happened is this conference, in a lot of ways, is pretty predictable. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't even notice this until I just started going back over it. There wasn't a game this week, and I'm including Arkansas State, App State, obviously. Sorry, man. I'm sorry. Uh, there was a there was not a game this week that was uh, closer than a two touchdown deficit. Uh, you know, we'll we'll kind of get into some deeper issues with the conference as a whole and how it's structured, uh, which we kind of touched on last week, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's really tough when um, the games are this kind of lopsided. And, you know, UL Monroe notwithstanding playing Ole Miss, I mean, these are all conference games, so they should be a lot closer than they have been. Yeah, that's one thing I look at, but you look at the, the margins of victories, Troy winning by 17 over uh, Georgia State, then Georgia Southern thumping South Alabama, uh, Louisiana thumping Texas State, App State taking care of business against Arkansas State. I mean, the, you know, all these games were decided by two scores or more, and it's becoming a predictable theme. And if you noticed, a lot of these teams that are winning these games by multiple scores, for the exception of the lone West, uh, inner Western Division matchup between Louisiana and Texas State. It's the Eastern teams delivering big time victories over the Western Division teams. Yeah, and we touched on this before we came on. We we may be needing the Sun Belt as a conference. Maybe needing another team in the Eastern uh, side of the bracket that can compete just to balance things out and get Troy over to the West so that Arkansas State has a little bit more competition than they do. Uh, you know, like last week when we discussed the alignment of the conference and how lopsided it is, it didn't annoy me as much as it does now, now that Arkansas State has lost to App State, that Arkansas State starts out 0-2 in conference play. They're 3-3 and this season, and anybody with a pair of eyes sees that they're just going to cakewalk to the Sunbelt Championship game. It's kind of annoying. Well, you, you, when you really sit down and look that into perspective, I mean, you, you don't take Texas State as a serious threat in the Western Division. Louisiana Monroe has left you a lot to be desired. Louisiana Lafayette has no defense. 
and South Alabama has left a lot to be desired, and their defense has looked very bad the past few weeks, giving up a ton of points. And so you're right. All Arkansas State has to do is win the rest of their games now that they've lost to App State and Georgia Southern. They just got to win the west rest of their Western Division games and pull a victory over a Coastal Carolina or a Georgia State, somebody of that nature. And then there they are. They're not going to get to host the Sun Belt game. They're going to have to more than likely travel to the Eastern Division uh, winner. But nonetheless, they're still going to get a chance to play in the first ever Sun Belt Conference Championship game. And in a lot of ways, in a lot of people's eyes, I think that that's just rewarding somebody for being subpar or just a, a below average so to speak because in no way when you stack these two divisions side by side you can say that the western division champion is credible enough to be playing in the championship game with two or three losses when you're going to have your eastern division champion your app georgia southern or troy whoever it may be they're going to walk in there with no more than one conference loss yeah, absolutely. And with the number of teams that are now in the Sun Belt in total, is it even necessary to have two sides of the conference? Like, is there even is it even necessary to have an Eastern and Western division? Well, you know, you, you break it down, you have 10 teams, and that's why they've split it five, five apiece and five each division. But I'm going to be honest, if you could add somebody from the Eastern region of the country maybe i know liberty likes their independent life it's a school that's well funded with money uh liberty is somebody i think that would fit well into the sun into the sun belt mantra of things i think a james madison coming up from the fcs ranks would be another team that would look good uh, to fit into that sun belt mantra there's a couple of intriguing schools i think that if you could pull them into the sun belt and then kind of push troy on out to the western division where i think they really should more or less be then it would make it a little bit more competitive because you would have Arkansas State and Troy as the two top dogs in the West Division and then you would have App State and Georgia Southern as the top two dogs in the Eastern Division yeah and I'm I'm gonna kind of go an opposite way and name two more teams that I think would be decent contenders uh I don't know how good they are this year but Jacksonville State at the FCS level has shown some nice things uh, as far as getting to the semifinal, I believe it was last year. And uh, a team that's independent right now that would kind of fit in the same thing as uh, James Madison, Old Dominion is a is an independent team. And I don't know how much they like being independent or whatever, but I mean, those those four teams that we just named between us, all of which could just jump up to the Sun Belt at any point and fit right in there. Yeah, there's there's a number of teams that could easily fit that mold, and I think it's something that if you're the Sun Belt, you look at. Now, I know expansion, they've made it plain after getting rid of New Mexico State and Idaho, that expansion, they're, they're happy with their five two-team divisions, and, and, and it makes sense, but at the same time, from a logistical standpoint, when you when your top two teams in the Eastern Division are more credible to be playing for the actual Sun Belt champion than the top standing team out of your West Division, to me that just gives a a red flag. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm you know we're gonna sound like homers again here, but I mean if if it turns out that Georgia Southern and App State, you know we'll get into some Troy's issues losing their quarterback for the for the rest of the season and. You know, obviously Arkansas State, we've kind of glossed over them a little bit. But if you get into it, and Georgia Southern and App State are the two best teams at the end of the season, 
then why not just have a rematch instead of sticking Arkansas State against one of the two teams that have already beaten them this year? Exactly right. So as we move on, that's our two big things that uh, that we have talked about, this conference being predictable and then also the unbalance and, you know, possible maybe looking at a way to relocate and move some teams around to make more competitive divisions with the East and with the West as well. As we move on to recap last week's games, it was week six officially on the college football season. Now, we, as we told you on last week's podcast, we are including Appalachian State and Arkansas State under the week. Week six mantra, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. We'll start back from the top. You kind of led into this just a few minutes ago uh, with your comments there, Brian. Troy taking on Georgia State. It's what we thought it was. Troy would take care of business. They did. They led 23-3 to at halftime. Uh, the, the third quarter, Troy disappeared, not putting any points up on the board, but they only held Georgia State to three more, and then both teams scored a pair of touchdowns in the fourth quarter. But the big news is not really who won this game because that was fairly predictable, but it's at the quarterback spot where Caleb Barker has been lost for the year. Absolutely, and I think on the bright side, at the very least, when you break these, uh, when you break Troy's quarterback situation down with Sawyer Smith coming in, uh, presumably going to be the starter after Barker tore his ACL. Uh, they seem like similar, comparable type players. Uh, both are kind of dual threat guys. I mean, if you go back and look at Georgia State uh, and the little bit of defense that they played, you know, Barker and Smith both had rushes of 63 yards or longer when they were blowing out Georgia State uh, last Thursday night. So at the very least, there should be a little bit of an adjustment period just due to, you know, experience and things along those lines. But from a, a play style perspective, Troy, uh, you know, Sawyer Smith couldn't couldn't be a better backup as far as um, play style goes. Yeah, I think uh, you're still going to see this team be competitive even with the sophomore in Sawyer Smith. I mean, you look, when you got guys like B.J. Smith and some of these other guys, uh, Jabrier Daltrey-Fry, that can carry the football for this team, I really think they're going to be all right. When you dive into the box score really quick going over this Troy-Georgia State game, it, I mean, Georgia State, another game where they have, you know, over 100 yards rushing as a team. Uh, Ellington, once again, though, it, it's falling on the back of Ellington to have to do everything for this team. And it, there comes a point when how much do you ask out of this young man? Because it seems week in and week out, if he's not second in the rushing, he's first. This man's having to do it all with his arm and with his legs too. Absolutely. And just from like a, a yardage perspective, it seems like Penny Hart's really their only credible receiving threat. So like when you boil a team down to one guy uh, under center with, you know, Seth Page only had 39 yards rushing on nine carries. When you boil it down to one guy under center who's having to do all of the throwing and all of the running for your team and then only giving him one credible wideout to have to for teams to have to cover, it just makes your team so one-dimensional. And, you know, we talked about it when they, when they won last week. The key was they played better defense they were able to run the ball and presumably keep uh, opponents off the field. But, you know, Troy, even with their backup in and Smith, they were just able to do pretty much whatever they wanted against Georgia State. So it's not surprising overall from a talent perspective, even with the quarterback loss uh, built in. I'm not surprised that Troy was able to uh, keep Georgia State at bay. 
Well, as we move on, Georgia Southern took on Alabama on Saturday uh, afternoon in Statesboro. It was a 48 to 13 whipping Georgia Southern really turned it on in the second half specifically the fourth quarter a game that really it was still South Alabama was in the ball game at halftime only down 17 to 6 but it was the second half and the, the, the your Eagles really got things cranked up and going yeah and this has been kind of my complaint with the uh, the play calling in the first half especially of games it's just so boring and predictable and they really don't start getting some of those shot plays in until the second half. And then by the time that those start working out, you know, like the other team's back is broken and we're just running it down their throat. Um, but yeah, South Alabama really shot themselves in the foot. Um, you know, they they had multiple chances, I felt like, where they were stringing together some good drives in the first half and they would just stall out, whether it was for... Uh, penalties or or just th- you know poor poor play calling or something along those lines but they weren't they really weren't able to rush the ball on a consistent basis which made uh, them pretty one-dimensional Evan Orth uh, you know 19 of 30 for 197 uh, Kawan Baker uh, three catches for 79 yards Jamarius way and they brought this up during the broadcast was an absolute ghost out there uh you know Monquavian Brinson had this guy in shackles the entire game he had one catch for four yards the entire game which is pretty good considering the size differential between Way and Brinson but yeah all in all it's probably going to come back to bite them at some point this year and I wouldn't be shocked but I'd like to see Georgia Southern call some of those shot plays in the first half and really try to get out to an early lead at some point well, Shy Words, a very productive 5 of 8 passing, 99 yards and a touchdown. Of course, the running game is where you're going to f- always find the true stat line for a Georgia Southern team. Very balanced uh, rushing attack between Garrett, Wirtz, and Fields, all managed between 10 and 13 carries, all of them, every, all three guys over at least 80 yards. And uh, Fields and Wirtz both had a pair of touchdowns apiece. All in all, especially in the second half, it was just one of those things. You, you, I really saw it as you kept wearing South Alabama down, and you really saw that team really collapse by the fourth quarter. Yeah, that seems to be kind of the wrap on South Alabama at this point is they don't have much of a defense, and their really only shot is if their offense can put up 30 points, then they have a shot, and any time that they put up less than 30, they're just not in the game. Um, you know, we we kind of touched on this last week. Wesley Fields was way more uh, integral to the offense than they were last than he was last time. Uh, he was able to find a, a good bit of space in between the tackles, which he wasn't last week. And Wesley Kennedy, they were able to lean on him a lot less, considering he's much smaller guy. But uh, I do want to say shout out to Darian Anderson, the receiver for Georgia Southern. You know, he was the first ever a four-star recruit that was brought into the Eagles program and he got his first touchdown catch on a long pass play from Wirtz so you know shout out to him for getting his first uh, end zone experience and hopefully he can keep it keep it rolling 
Well, the Eagles have got it rolling now, 48-13. They took care of South Alabama on Saturday. Of course, a game that I don't think we got to spend a lot of time on because it was so predictable. We said Ole Miss could hit 65-plus in this game. Sure enough, they hit 70, 70-21. to They thumped Louisiana Monroe. Uh, you know, when you look at it, Ole Miss, the quarterback play, uh, Tamau, he was outstanding, 21 of 24 passing, 374 yards and three touchdowns. The backup quarterback, uh, Corral, was a perfect 10 of 10 for 143 and two scores. I mean, it was a pure out dominance through the passing game for Ole Miss on Saturday afternoon against Monroe. Yeah, neither one of us were surprised by this. Although it is a little surprising to see them put 49 on ULM before or at halftime. But um, yeah. Ole Miss just has too many weapons. Their their play is just on a different plane with them being in the SEC and them having to play just the best of the best pretty much every week, uh, including they played Texas Tech in the opener, which was a pretty explosive game for both teams. So although if you're a UL Monroe fan, you have to be a little disheartened at the fact that two quarterbacks threw 34 passes and there were only three incompletions between them. You'd think your defensive backs could get in the way a little bit at least. Yeah, still leaving a lot to be desired. I mean, Ole Miss had three receivers with over 100 yards uh, receiving. When you give up over 100 yards to three different guys, it's going to be nine times out of ten, you're not going to win that football game. Yeah, and if they had a better defense, and you know, no offense to you, I'm on road, but this is kind of Mississippi's game. If they had a better defense, I think they'd be a really credible threat in the SEC. But when they get into uh, when they get into conference play, that their lack of defense really shows. But they were they were obviously good enough to put it on UL Monroe. Uh, but it always helps when you can score, you know, nearly 50 points by halftime. Of course, as we move on here, the final uh, one of the final games from this past weekend. It was a, another conference matchup. Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, fresh off the thumping they took at the hands of the Crimson Tide in Tuscaloosa the week before, made the trip to take on Texas State. And uh, sure enough, this was a game that at halftime was headed for complete blowout city. It was 28 to nothing. Uh, Texas State, they kind of tried to pull back into it in the third quarter, but this was a game they were never really in from the get-go. Uh, they just added a couple scores in the second half. It looked like the Cajuns just kind of put it on cruise control after halftime, and they rolled to a 42-27 victory to drop Texas State to 1-4. and four. Uh, We've talked about this over the course of this season on the podcast. How long before Everett Withers is shown the door there at Texas State? Because it seems like with each passing week, there's just something about this team that they're either in a game and give it away or they're not in the game at all. There's no in-between with this team. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, You know, last week we went down their schedule and really tried to find another win. Um, You know, they have a three-game stretch that from late October to early November where they play – at UL Monroe versus New Mexico State and at Georgia State. If they can't pick up a win in one of those games, uh, I I think it's time for him to be shown the door, like you said. But this game, uh, it it wasn't Tyler Vitt's fault, the quarterback for Texas State, that they they lost. He put on a, a hell of a performance considering they had no defense, threw for 296 
and three touchdowns and ran for 92 himself. So that's one thing Georgia Southern is going to have to be on, out on the lookout for tomorrow night as we're recording this on Wednesday. But yeah, just the lack of defense and just the lack of competitiveness in the first half really came came back to bite Texas State, even though they made kind of a nice run in the second half. Yeah, I mean, you know, Tyler Vid, as you talked about, he's putting the ball up nearly 40 times again. Now, granted, he didn't throw a single interception. He had 296 yards through the air and three touchdowns. Uh, but it was just Elijah Mitchell tearing through Texas State for 20 carries, 191 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, this is a game that Louisiana, even with their suspect defense, they could get by because I just feel like Texas State – it's just that bad, and the question, as we've talked about, remains: How long before Everett Withers is is kicked out the door, and this program hits the reset button for a second time? So it's going to be interesting to see uh, see down the line and how it how things finish out for Texas State. It's for sure going to have to be. It's probably going to be sooner than later. Um, you know, barring that they just win those three games that I mentioned earlier. I can't, I can't see them coming away with more than two wins this entire season. So uh, I don't know what their final straw is, but I feel like they have to be reaching that point. Yeah, definitely. So when we move on, uh, this game technically went in the books as a game for this week, for week seven, but we included it as part of week six. Appalachian State and Arkansas State did battle on Tuesday night on a national stage on ESPN2. And uh, not a lot of people in attendance at Centennial Bank Stadium. I mean, given the circumstances of the impending uh, storm and uh, rain that had hit the Jonesboro area, and then on top of it being just a Tuesday night and the first Tuesday night game for this year, it was a game the Mountaineers slept through the first quarter. Arkansas State led three to nothing, but I think I can say this, Brian, for all the people, including myself, who thought that this defense with new defensive coordinator Brian Brown and so many young pieces, so many freshmen and so many sophomores, that this defense could considerably take a step back in 2018. To do what this defense is doing as far as you take Penn State and all the other games, this has become one of the most credible defenses, not only in the Sun Belt, but that ranks 17th in the country in point differential. This Appalachian State defense has just picked off, picked up where it was left off. Yeah, and I, th you know, all credit to App State, but Ar some of Arkansas State's play calling at time is uh, suspect at best, I would say. Um, you know, I feel like they're really wasting Justice Hansen's like last couple years with the program. And and uh, like I said, I, I saw it in, in the Georgia Southern game. If if they had just caught on early, like App State did uh, before halftime, like that game would have been more of a blowout than it was. But yeah, App State obviously woke up in the second quarter. Uh, Zach Thomas played pretty well overall. Darrington Evans 115 yards and a score leading them. Uh, Arkansas State is just, I don't know. We, we it, It's tough to diagnose what the issue is there, but defensively they just don't seem to have a ton of uh, gas on a week-to-week -week basis. So I don't know what I don't know what the problem is or what the solution is because I don't watch enough Arkansas State. But the last two times I've watched them, they just they've just not looked good. 
Well, you're definitely right. Of course, big news out of this game for App State is the loss of Jalen Moore. Uh, he went out. He was carted off the field with an ankle injury after a 27-yard touchdown run. And so w there's been no official diagnosis yet at this time of when we we're recording the podcast of just how severe this is. It's something to keep a watch on. But guys like Darrington Evans, Marcus Williams Jr., and even Zach Thomas on, on the ground – there's still some credible guys in this App State rushing attack. Oh, absolutely. You know, Evans really, like, was able to short shoulder the load with more sideline. Uh, and Zach Thomas showed that he's got some wheels as well uh, with that 62-yard uh, yard run he had. But, yeah, like we were saying, you know, App State is obviously one of probably the two best teams, I guess, with Barker going out for Troy in the Sun Belt at this point. And it's just... I feel like it's all going to come down at the risk of sounding like a homer to the App State-Georgia Southern game. Uh, with the way Arkansas State's looked, I, I don't see them making a run even with a cakewalk schedule to the, the Sun Belt Championship game. So I really think whoever comes out of the East is just going to kind of walk the dog on Arkansas State. Well, as we turn the page now and officially look over all of our games for this upcoming week seven, we will start with the Thursday night showdown in San Marcos, Texas. The Georgia Southern Eagles will travel to take on the Texas State Bobcats. I don't foresee this game being close. The spread in this game is 17 and a half. I'll be honest with you, Brian. I like your Eagles minus the 17 and a half here if I was picking a side. I do too. Uh, as the line kind of moved last week when they played South Alabama, I wrote in my preview that I would have taken the points after initially saying I don't think Georgia Southern would cover. But they really put it on South Alabama. So from a points perspective, I definitely like 17.5 for a Texas State team that seems to kind of be circling the drain at this point. Uh, you can kind of see from their stats, they're weaker through the air defensively than they are on the ground, but you know, Georgia Southern, I feel like, is just going to lean on you for two or three quarters, and then eventually, uh, when it gets to, when it gets later on in the game, Texas State's defense is just kind of going to give way. So that's that's kind of what I'm expecting for that game. Yeah, I really like the 17 and a half. I don't think uh, you know this, even though it's being on a Thursday night. I think you're going to see uh, really just how good. I think you're going to see this Georgia Southern team just continue to pad up their offensive stats, specifically on the ground. As you turn the page and look over to Saturday, uh, we start. It's a big one. What I am for sure is going to be a packed crowd at Williams Stadium in Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, the Liberty Flames welcome the Troy Trojans. Brian, I'm telling you. This has got let down written all over it with Sawyer Smith stepping in now with his first start for Caleb Barker this season after the injury, a lot of unknowns. This is a game here, Brian, that Liberty, I'm not saying is going to win, but I think this game, the spread is nine and a half, but this game has the potential to be closer than people might think it is. See, I actually think that I would lay the points even uh... – with Troy, even with Sawyer Smith starting, you know, when you kind of go down uh, Liberty's schedule, other than when they played Old Dominion, they haven't allowed, le and, and North Texas, rather, or uh, no, just Old Dominion, they haven't allowed fewer than 38 points in a game this year. So I, I think that Troy, despite not having Barker, is going to be able to put points up regardless. And 
Troy's offense just kind of ebbs and flows. So I, I could see Troy winning this one going away, no problem. Well, it's going to be an interesting matchup for sure. There's going to be, I, I don't think, any uh, – there's not going to be any kind of uh, – if I was looking at there's not going to be any sort of upness for this game. Liberty's going to be up to play it 100%. I don't think you, that they're not going to be prepared and be ready because they know that they've got a chance to uh, really make a, a statement and knock off one of the uh, upper-end G5 football teams, taking the Sun Belt out of the, out of the picture here. Just look at upper G5 teams that have been talked about this year, and Troy's right there in that conversation. So it's going to be a good one there in Lynchburg on Saturday afternoon between the Trojans and the Flames. Of course, New Mexico State will take on Louisiana, a rematch of what for a few years was a conference matchup between these two schools. The Aggies and the Cajuns going to do battle at Cajun Field there on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, the spread for this game is at eight points in favor of the Cajuns. I would play the over-under in this game before I would touch the spread. I definitely what, – what is the over-under because I can't – I've not been able I've not been able to find the over-under on this game uh, either as far as diving really in depth. But I assume if you're setting an over-under for this game, it's got to be at least 65. Yeah, if it's any lower than 65, you take the over, no question. Uh, both of these teams have had huge defensive question marks – like last week, uh, you know, New Mexico State played Liberty, who we just kind of touched on, won 49 to 41. So I, I think Louisiana is definitely going to be able to score points. I think New Mexico State is going to be able to score points. So I love the over/under. Um, as far as the the line goes at eight, I probably wouldn't touch it just because I don't know what which defense is going to make a play first and in the kind of ping pong back and forth style of these two offenses so i would stay away from that but i would definitely try to find someone to offer you an over under and take the over yeah but these are two teams i don't trust either one of them's defense and then their offense just has the capability when they're playing another school that doesn't have a defense to put up points so it's kind of one of those things it's just a lot of bad side of the coins in a normal head-to-head matchup but when you got two teams that i think are very similar as far as how the teams are are prepared both teams have good offenses they're not bad by any means probably average slightly below average offenses but they both have below average defenses and so that just makes a recipe for a high scoring football game yeah and and you know like it's it's tough because louisiana looked pretty good last week so i think if i had to i would lay the eight but uh i wouldn't feel great about it but i would feel great about taking the over well, as we move on, the Jaguars of South Alabama, after falling to 1-5 a week ago, they get an FCS opponent from the SWAC, an HBCU team in the Alabama State Hornets. Alabama State comes into this game 2-3. and three. Uh, They had a win over uh, Division II uh, uh, to Schoolham College, 26-20, uh, to 20, and then they knocked off Alcorn State a week ago in a wild five-overtime game. Alcorn State came into that game with a 4-1 and one record, and Alabama State on the road upset Alcorn uh, State. And then, But you kind of look in the bigger scheme of when Alabama State has played more credible opponents, Opponents like Auburn, Kennesaw State, Kennesaw State, a very good FCS team. We saw them push Georgia State to the limit earlier this year. A game Kennesaw State should have won. And then Grambling, 
Alabama State was just absolutely blown out. 63-9 against Auburn, 62-13 against Kennesaw State, and 34-0 against Grambling. I think Evan Orth has a big day here. I think he throws three or four touchdown passes. I look for Jamarius Way uh, to really make a resurgence after being ghosted last week in Statesboro. Uh, This is a game, if it even comes up on the board, which I doubt it will, it'll be a 45-plus favorite in favor of the Jaguars because I think it's just that one-sided, even though South Alabama has a 1-5 record. Yeah, this is definitely a get-right sort of matchup for South Alabama and their offense by extension. Uh, Like you mentioned, with Alabama State, it really seems to go south whenever uh, they're not competitive, and I don't see them. there's a way that they're competitive in this game. So I, I don't know if there's any sort of betting ramifications with this. I don't even know if they would release a line for this game, but... South Alabama, uh, I don't I don't anticipate them having too much trouble with Alabama State. Well, as we move on, what I think is the most interesting and most intriguing game outside of our two games from this past week, UL Monroe and Coastal Carolina in Conway. It's Coastal Carolina's first home game since before Hurricane Florence hit the area. Conway, South Carolina, got hit hard by Hurricane Florence. This is their first home game uh, in quite a while, and they're going to welcome Louisiana Monroe to town. And i tell you what, Brian, a six-and-a-half point spread. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I part of me likes the Chanticleers here because I just feel like they're in a better position at home, their first home game in a while. Louisiana Monroe coming off a, a confidence thrasher against Ole Miss last week. But to me, this is a tough game to lay money on either side because that six and a half is right where I feel like it would about tie as far as the spread was. I can see this being a six or a seven point ball game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially with Bryce Carpenter kind of taking the reins for Coastal. Uh, I actually, from a betting perspective, this would kind of be a wait and see type game for betting on coastal games in the future. Uh, Bryce Carpenter is really going to show you what kind of quarterback he is and how he kind of deals with being a full-time starter with Kilton Anderson, uh, out. But, you know, unless Kilton Anderson can go, uh, which, which I seriously doubt at this point, I would not touch this game as far as a betting line goes, because I'd want to see how coastal kind of bounces back yeah it's going to be interesting to see this is a game i'm definitely going to have my own eyes on i feel like it is a lot more uh one of those games for this week i think it has the most intrigue to it because i think it'll be the closest game on the scoreboard as far as outright just if i'm having to think about a score i think this is the game that's the most intriguing uh for this week i like where coastal carolina is headed i think this is a program that you are slowly but surely seeing uh starting to rise in this conference so there's a lot of interest intrigue with this game uh, this week of course it's slated for a six o'clock start time there at brooks stadium in conway south carolina of course we move on to what has been our best segment for the show this season because we are 16 and 1 here in 2018 for fun belt pick'em we included app state arkansas state as part of last week's and that's what put us over the top at 16-1. and one. My man, we keep getting better each week. We've got to go to Vegas and, and just start laying money on money lines because we would walk out looking like people that we, we would be able to play Vegas and they might even give us permission to set lines from here on out. No, I think they would kick us out. They wouldn't <laughs> let us bet after. We, we'd get two wins under our belt and they'd be like, 
wait, you guys are betting on Sunbelt football, and then they would escort us out of <laughs> out of the sports book. That's how it, that's how that would go. Um, once again, apologies to Georgia State for not picking you. That's our one loss. Uh, we didn't believe in you that one week, and we probably should have. Yeah, we we should have believed in you. But here's the thing. It's kind of like the old guilty until proven innocent. We're going to pick against you till you give us a reason not to. Yeah, and they they still don't give us a reason to pick them, even though they won that one time that we didn't pick them. But, uh, yeah, no, they would not let us anywhere near a sports book in Vegas if we were laying money on a game like Troy Liberty or Georgia Southern Texas State. Exactly right. As we uh, as we commence here on Fun Belt Pick'em this week, uh, Georgia Southern Texas State off the top. I don't think it takes uh, more than one puff of the cigar, so to speak, than to pick this game. I love the Eagles here. I think this is a game Georgia Southern wins by three-plus scores, maybe even four. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I should have probably touched on this in the betting segment or the, the spread segment, the over-under for this game is listed at 49. Uh, the way that Texas State's played this year, Georgia Southern might hit 49 by themselves. So uh, take the over in this one. Unless Georgia S- Southern gets up huge early and then just pulls all their starters, uh, the way that they played against South Alabama last week, I have faith that they can hit that number. I feel like, now granted, it's tough for this team to really, I mean, score as far as very quickly because the way their offense is built, I mean, with a with a run play, it's a 50-50 thing here. There's a 50% chance you bust one and 50% that you don't. But I feel like you, you guys might even have at least 28 or 31 by halftime. I mean, depending on if you, Texas State turns the ball over, there's so many different variables you have to throw into this. But it's not a far cry to think you, you're going to be over halfway to that over by halftime. Absolutely. And I think part of it also, and I made a joke about this on Saturday, comes down to Georgia Southern's offensive coordinator, Bob DeBess. I don't know what happens in the first half. I don't know if he's asleep for the entire first half and they wake him up in the second or if he's awake in the first half and then he takes a nap and somebody takes over the play calling in the second half because it's a complete difference. And if Georgia Southern kept their foot on the gas like they do in the second halves of these games throughout, these betting lines would be a no question. But you just never know what they're going to do in the first half. Now, granted, they're going to show up after halftime because they've done it pretty much all year. But I just don't understand what goes on with the offensive play calling. Uh, but I still like Georgia Southern to probably hit the over by themselves the way that they played last week. So we both like the Eagles on the Thursday night showdown in San Marcos. We turn the page to Saturday. Troy taking on Liberty when we were discussing this game with the spread uh, going down the lineup of this week's games. We were on opposite ends of that. We I thought the game might be closer than a lot of people expect. Uh, you think Troy gets it running away. But I think when it comes to straight-up pick them, you can't shy away from the Trojans just yet. I know new quarterback, sophomore, Sawyer Smith. I think Liberty keeps this game close for at least three quarters, but straight up in a pick them, I'm taking the Trojans because they haven't given me a reason other than that awful performance week one against Boise State. They haven't given me a reason not to pick them as far as when it's going head-to-head like this. I haven't seen enough out of Liberty other than the Old Dominion game, which blowing Old Dominion out looks great on paper now after the way they took care of Virginia Tech a few weeks back. That's a huge win in this Liberty Flames pocket, but nonetheless, straight up, give me the Trojans. 
Yeah, I feel the exact same way, and I actually think this one's going to be kind of over by halftime. Now, Troy, like we've touched on in the past, has a tendency to kind of fall asleep or uh, after they get up big, but the way Liberty's defense has played since blowing out Old Dominion, I, I just actually averaged it uh, right now. Other than beating Old Dominion 52-10 to 10 week one, they're allowing 46.5 points per game on defense. So uh, I like Troy to score a ton of points, even with Sawyer Smith under center. I think that just their weapons all around him are just good enough to elevate him, obviously, to a win. But that's kind of my reasoning for taking the bet- the betting line as well. Well, we both like the Trojans and Lynchburg on Saturday. To me, this next game is the toughest one to pick straight up. New Mexico State, Louisiana, two teams I feel that are very, very similar uh this i, I tell you brian uh, we both talked about the eight point spread uh, we, we both would like an over under match thing, play as far as betting wise in this matchup but as far as head to head this is in my opinion the toughest game to pick this week and i i have went back and forth back and forth back and forth on who i like in this game and i'm gonna go outside the norm here i'm gonna call for it i'm gonna pick new mexico state because i'm telling you i don't trust this louisiana defense i I don't think texas i think new mexico state's at least two or maybe three scores better than texas state i i think that we'll find out a couple weeks down the road they actually play each other but i think new mexico state's better than Texas State, but nonetheless, I'm going to pick the Aggies on the road in an upset here over Louisiana. Yeah, see, that's interesting. I'm actually going to take Louisiana in this one, and I think it's because I believe in their pair of running backs uh, in Trey Ragas and uh, the other guy's name is escaping me, who's their Elijah, rusher. But yeah, Elijah Mitchell. I, yeah, yeah, and I, I just like the fact that they're able to kind of grind games out on the ground even though they don't have the best defense in the world. Uh, I think Andre Nunez, the quarterback, is good enough for them to win this game, so I like the Raging Cajuns. Well, the first time that we differ on a game all this year, I thought I would get gaudy and, and, and look for one possible. If you want to call it an upset, I guess you could, but, I mean, either way, I'm by the spread, it would be an upset, but... I'm just going to go straight up, pull one out of the bag here, get a little gaudy, and go with the Aggies on the road. Of course, South Alabama and Alabama State, I don't think it takes long. A home game at Lad Peebles Stadium. I like the Jaguars big. There's a reason why, other than Alabama State being an HBCU-FCS team, there's a reason why there's no spread on this game. The Jaguars are going to roll. I think Jamarius Way, a.k.a. Julio Jones from the Sun Belt, as you've dubbed him, this guy's going to have a showing out party this week. I don't think Alabama State has anybody that can hang much with this young man on the outside. And so I like South Alabama big. Absolutely. And, you know, going down, we kind of did this with Texas State. But South Alabama, this could be the last win that they they get this year. Um, just it's possible. So I like them to just really let out uh, frustration on a on an Alabama State team that's just not up to par talent wise. So uh, this is an uh, this is probably the most obvious one of the entire week. But give me South Alabama over Alabama State. Of course, we move to the final game for this week's lineup: Louisiana Monroe and Coastal Carolina at home. The Chanticleers are a six and a half point favorite. 
And you know what? I'm staying with it. I've talked up the whole season we've been doing this podcast. I've been talking about this team from uh, Conway making strides, and I think they're going to continue to do that. I think they win this game at home on Saturday to get to 4-2 and two and 2-1 two and one to just continue to show you how much better that the Sun Belt East is over the Sun Belt West. I like the Chanticleers at home with Carpenter, the true freshman Bryce Carpenter. I think he's going to continue to show you why for the next three years this Chanticleer team is only going to get better with him under center. I really like the Chanticleers to win this game straight up head to head. I like uh, I like Coastal Big as well, and th- here's why. I don't think that there's probably a better team that, that Bryce Carpenter could really cut his teeth against than UL Monroe. The last four weeks, they've given up point totals of 48, 35, 46, and 70. So at the very least, you know that Coastal could probably score some points against the Warhawks. So give me Coastal. Uh, I'll, I'll take them, even if Kilton Anderson doesn't play. I think Bryce Carpenter is going to make enough plays, and I believe that their play calling is just head and shoulders better than UL Monroe's. So uh, give me Coastal in that one. Well, for the most part, my man, we wind down with our picks this week. All the same for the exception of the Louisiana Lafayette and New Mexico State game. Uh, I thought I would get gaudy and say, you know what, I haven't really called for any kind of upset special as far as for this year and I don't know if you really consider it a huge upset I don't guess you really would but nonetheless I picked the Aggies and you picked the Cajuns on Saturday so as we get ready to wind down the program the one big thing you're looking for this week out of the Sun Belt I'll go ahead and start I am looking for Troy to avoid the letdown. I know we talked about this after they were fresh off uh, their big uh, win at Nebraska. That's what I picked to watch for, but I picked this letdown a little bit differently this week. On the road, a fired-up Lynchburg crowd. Liberty sells out their football games. They usually pack the place there at Williams Stadium pretty good. And I'm just looking for Troy to avoid the letdown with Sawyer Smith with the news of Caleb Barker being out for the season. I look for Troy to avoid the letdown spot this week. That's my one big thing to look for. My one big thing to look for actually happened last night, and just so we can comment on it. Uh, I was looking for Arkansas State to show a little bit of fight after after just kind of having their uh, their hearts ripped out against Georgia Southern, but they they just don't seem to have the sort of juice that they usually have once they break into conference play this year. Uh, like we said, like we touched on at the beginning of the show, it's kind of a shame that they just get to like walk into the the conference championship game, but it just means the East is just that much more stacked, but. I do like what you said about Sawyer Smith. I do want to see him be able to run this offense effectively in Caleb Barker's absence. But, yeah, my one big thing happened uh, last night, Tuesday night. So uh, I don't actually have one for the, the rest of the games this week, but that's kind of where I'm putting my money. Well, man, good stuff as always. Uh, As we say in the South, good Lord willing, we'll hopefully do it again next week. Same time as always here on the Underdog Dynasty podcast. Of course, uh, you're the man that always disagrees with people when it comes to college football, and they can find you on Twitter at WatchTheStone. I know you'll be getting your preview and recaps up for the Texas State game this week. Uh, Some good Sunbelt football to watch this weekend. Of course, your Eagles in action on Thursday night, a little primetime 
Game Showdown on ESPNU. And so both of us have Saturdays off uh, this week as far as our team, so we can really watch teams like Troy and Coastal and, and South Alabama and Louisiana. So we got a lot of Sunbelt to look over for this Saturday. Man, good stuff as always, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, indeed. So, my man, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks. And this has been the Underdog Dynasty Podcast, where we talk G5 football and only G5 football. It's been a fun belt edition, of course. I'm Megman Chambers, your host with Brian Stone, my co-host. You can find me on Twitter at RadioGuyAC. And, of course, Brian at WatchTheStone on Twitter as well. This has been a Sunbelt edition of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast. Yeah.